Welcome to Hello Health Today, where health is a leadership strategy. I'm Dr. Carmen Mohan. My guest today is Sharice Williams. Sharice is a certified leadership coach, speaker, and author who helps people navigate major life transitions, cultivate joy, and manage the stress in their lives. Before becoming a full-time coach, Sharice worked in social justice organizations for 25 years on human rights, education equity, and criminal and juvenile justice reform issues. She held several executive leadership roles, including managing director of new site development at iMentor, president of young audiences at the Woodruff Arts Center, and she was the founding director of Posse Atlanta. Her first book, The Joy of Thriving Wild Black, was published by New Degree Press in April 2021. Sharice and I talked about why sometimes we need to let go of what worked in the past so we can grow. We aren't just trying to learn new ways of being. We have to unlearn things too, right? We have neural pathways, actual things in our brains that are driving us to do the same things over and over again what it means to have a growth mindset. Focusing on what is possible as much as possible, as opposed to what is wrong. Black leaders are facing adversity head on, but it takes a toll. There is real active resistance to letting that go because we're taught, you're not gonna make it if you don't work twice as hard. Cherie, so good to have you on the show. It's awesome to be here, Carmen. Thank you so much. I'm excited for your book, The Joy of Thriving While Black. What was the impetus for the project? Well, it started my leadership coaching practice in January of 2020. And then the bottom fell out of everything. <laughs> oh, no. The pandemic began. Um, there were the killings of Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Aubrey, Rayshard Brooks. Unfortunately, mm. the list goes on and on. But I was literally, I had just finished working out. And I was sitting on the front porch in the sun, as was my post-workout routine. And I was scrolling through my social media feed. And I started seeing these hashtags like black joy is revolutionary, black joy matters. And I started following those hashtags down a rabbit hole and something just hit me to search for and tell the stories of black folks thriving and finding joy. Before that moment, I had been asking myself, how do I use my experience, my skills, my expertise and voice in this moment to advance the cause of racial justice. And when that all came together, I committed to writing my book and I never looked back. Wow. So, you know, beside, besides the subject matter of this book, which is so near and dear to my heart, I really love um, what sparked your creativity, which was post-workout. You know, you mentioned my favorite thing, post-workout, um, you were in diffuse mode of thinking and you followed a lead down into this amazing project. Um, I will say, did you know that we had, I believe, someone that you interviewed for your book as a guest on our show, Blythe Robinson? Yes, she's a very dear friend. Fabulous. I'm so glad that Blythe is teaching about the joy of thriving while Black. <laughs> <laughs> She and I were talking about your yoga classes. It sounds like 
you know, working out and exercise is a big deal for you and part of your natural path in the day? It's a very, very big deal for me. And I mean, I've been active for my entire life. I, I used to be a dancer, not so much anymore. I teach periodically. Um, I've been doing yoga since I was 18, but just got my certification in 2015. But it just so happened that I had been thinking about getting a Peloton <laughs> long before the pandemic hit. And so when I was living with my cousin at the time and I was in the mall, like, I want to get a Peloton. She was like, I already ordered a Peloton. <laughs> so getting that in February of 2020 was huge for me, Carmen. I had never really worked out like that at home by myself. And um, for me, it's the best self-care, the best mental health boost, the best energy boost, everything. And I have, I have not slow down. Did exercise feature in the writing process? In, not in the writing process per se, which is, you know, very interesting because when I started the book, I thought I was going to, the themes would be more about my self-care and I thought they would be exercise and mindfulness, but some different things emerged when I started interviewing people that I'm sure we can get into more, but there was a combination of self-care types of things and also community building and connection and purpose and meaning that came together in the ultimate themes that I chose for the book. Oh, how powerful can that be? Uh, so it sounds like you learned a lot as you began. What, what were the major themes that the book now covers? You know, self-care is so near and dear to me because I believe that it is what offers us career stamina. And so I just love that instead of focusing on these tragedies that we suffered, um, I, that you focused on these bright lights in our community and the, and the sharing of our story that is not one of oppression. Yeah, absolutely. So the first question that I asked people in my interviews was, what does it mean to, to you to thrive? And I thought that the answers would be more around diet and exercise and self-care. And I did get a lot of that. But what was interesting is that the people I interviewed talked about purpose and service and giving back. And so my takeaway was that thriving is both an individual and collective experience. And I, and I really think that those responses were driven by the demographic that I interviewed. So um, a friend of mine in the book, um, Stephen Allwood, who is the director of, I might get it wrong, but he's a psychologist <laughs> who has the, the um, center at Morehouse. But when he was an undergraduate student at Morehouse, he said he was taught that you can have all the degrees and all the money in the world, but if your cousins in them are still struggling, you're not thriving. So this, that was huge and it didn't surprise me, but it was powerful. It's interesting that um, sometimes we think of giving back as something we can only do after we've made it, right? Where we, we have the resources, the finances, and the network to be able to give back. But it doesn't seem like that's actually what you found, that giving back was part of the energy boost. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, mentoring, doing service, 
I I spent my whole (laughs) kind of career before coaching in the nonprofit sector, working on, you know, these kinds of issues. So I, I, my network is very service oriented and cares about giving to the community. But one whole chapter, one whole section of my book is really about, it starts with the um, proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Oh, wow. And so the idea of moving together as a collective and how our destinies are really intertwined. Desmond, I have a quote from Desmond Tutu talking about the word Ubuntu. And I don't know what South African language um, that is, but it's really about our humanity being inextricably linked. And so that was a really important theme. So funny because um, within the Hello Health system, we call that enhanced resiliency and that to enhance your resiliency, you must be connected to others that give you that energy boost all the time as part of a systematic approach to your own self-care. And it sounds like that was really coming out in the book. So cool, Sharice. Yeah. You, you spent 25 years doing justice work. Like you glossed over that, but let's just like make it real. You spent 25 years doing work related to human rights, education, and and educational equity and so forth. And one theme of this season of Hello Health Today has become that burnout is part of the work cycle for those who do justice work in particular. Is that a theme that's come up for you? Absolutely. There is um, the chapter of my book on resilience touches on my journey. So yes, as you said, I'm a a lawyer by training. I have worked with kids. um, You're the coolest lawyer I I might know, (laughs) just so you know. Blythe is another cool lawyer. (laughs) Blythe is cool. So many of us are kind of undercover, (laughs) recovering. (laughs) But yeah, I'm a lawyer by training. I I worked at Amnesty International. I worked for... um, I've led youth programs. I've I've spent a lot of time in prisons. Yeah, <laughs> you know, supporting organizations. You're the only one who laughs while saying that. I, I spent time in prison, and you're smiling. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, I think that we underestimate sometimes. Um, I didn't have all the language that we have now to to really think about and process my experience. Being going to prisons, talking to girls who are in detention, who Um, had experienced horrific abuses and neglect from the time that they were really young um, to talking to people who were wrongfully convicted to running youth organizations and trying to help kids get into college and get through college when they and their families were homeless. You know, all of these things, and I am very privileged, but I I do think there is something about hearing really hard stories. Um, Oh my gosh, when I worked at Amnesty International, I lobbied on Capitol Hill around gun sales to to countries that had um, child soldiers. I mean, I heard a lot of horrific things and carried horrific things, like fast forward through all of that. And I did really great work and I love the organizations that I worked for. Um, In 2017, I ruptured my Achilles tendon and had surgery. Mm. And I was working for a national nonprofit and I was responsible for new site development. So I was doing a lot of travel. Carmen 
I was back at work a week after that really difficult injury, painful, invasive surgery. Never did I have a conversation with my organization about how my goal of opening the new site would be impacted by this injury and recovery. So what happens? I'm still trying to push toward the same deadline. As soon as I was able, I started traveling again. I'm in a hotel room in Detroit on my knee knee scooter without my boot on, fall over, reopen the incision. Oh, no. Ended up with surgery again, ended up with blood clots. All this stuff happened, and I kept pushing through for months and months and months until I had to take a mental health leave of absence in, in March of 2018, which gave me the opportunity to reevaluate everything. Well, I think that you'll, you're not alone in that with uh, pushing through it despite high levels of fatigue and the cost to your personal health. I think that's, uh, I'm in the school of hard knocks as well to, to come to this understanding. And part of the reason I started Hello Health is to prevent others from doing or making the same mistakes I did. Is that part of the reason you decided to write your book? Yeah. Absolutely. I, it was an opportunity for me to to reflect on all the things that have that I've learned about thriving to date, and um, the importance of you know the the habits that we need to adopt to be healthy and well. Mindset. So the final chapter of my book is about putting it all into practice, and it's like I talk about what are the limiting beliefs that keep us from even visioning what is possible for our lives, having joy and thriving in our home life, in our work, getting the rest that we need, creating the space that we need. I talk a lot in the chapter on rest about the obsession with certain forms of productivity and tying our personal self well, um, self-worth too much to um, work and our output at the risk of our own health and well-being and the need to slow down for reflection and reevaluation. So yes, I was able to pour all of that experience into the book and also hear some really amazing stories along the way that inspired, inspired me and that give me more fuel and more tools to offer my clients and my coaching practice. Yeah, and make it make it all so real and actionable. Very often, I'm in the position of having to tell a patient or an audience that being able to slow down or rest is actually a skill that we were never taught. What what for you is part of that skill of being able to rest? Many of us, we aren't just trying to learn new ways of being. We have to unlearn things too. And so what I've learned through my yoga and meditation practice and my coaching training, there's a reason why that's hard, right? We have neural pathways, actual things in our brains that are driving us to do the same things over and over again. Well, they worked when I was 30, Sharice. They worked. So we have to retrain. I find that people are so hard on themselves when they want to do something like incorporate more rest in their lives or more mindfulness in their lives. And it's like, 
those old habits served you in the past, like you just said, but we have to practice. So how do we practice? If we want to rest more, think about why that is. What is the cost of not resting? What do we want to gain by resting more? And then we all have these aha moments, but then how do we remind ourselves that that's important to us? Right, (laughs) right. I remind myself by writing what's important to me in my planner every day. I have a sticky note on my mirror. I have one of those funky black letter boards where I put like a mantra. We literally have to immerse ourselves in our goals, in our vision, in in our habits. I've got like a little post-it note on my snack cabinet. Now there's only healthy snacks in there, but still (laughs) I have a little note there that says like, remember that you want to eat mindfully. So we have to use all of these tools and have a partner like a doctor, like Carmen at Hello Health. That's right. We're ready for you. (laughs) Yes. A coach or a therapist. So I say all that to say, um, It's practice, practice, practice. And we have to remind ourselves why that practice is important to us and put those reminders everywhere. Sharice, I love that. And one of the reasons I do is we're all so shocked when we burn out because uh, I I think probably many of the people you interviewed for your book understand what that feels like, what burnout actually feels like. Um, But it's from this response to stress or the response to a demand or an expectation whereby in in the past when our lives were not as complicated as they are now we work longer harder with more discipline right and you that that only works efficiently up into a point where then we have to reimagine and so i just love that i mean everybody that we interview and that who are patients in the clinic and who are in our audiences, they understand how razor sharp that discipline can feel. Absolutely. And I think I just, I just love it that we all have to be reminded not to keep doing that since for the first 44 years of our lives, that's what worked, you know? Yeah. And I want to say something else. And so there's another layer. So in, in the chapter about rest, I talk about all of these things that we hear rise and grind, you know, burn mm. the midnight oil. They're all I'll sleep when I, when I'm dead, sleep when you're <laughs> dead. Right. I, I literally have that in the book. So these are all a part of our culture. Then you add another layer of race. You've got to be twice as good. You've got to work twice as hard. This applies to women as well, but we are told that we don't have a choice, but to do all those things times 10 if we want to be seen, heard, and respected as women and as people of color. So there is real active resistance to letting that go because we're taught you're not going to make it if you don't work twice as hard. Oh, yeah. And then, you you know, we see the studies that showed I the last one I saw about resumes when you have an obviously like an obvious black name versus when you have an obvious could be a white person name, your resume, if you're a woman, a black woman, has to be nine times better. So it's not that we just think that, Sharice. It's real. Nine times better just to get the interview, Sharice. Absolutely. And, And a lot, you know, when I was in law school and beyond, I read the study. So I love, I love 
talking to people who don't believe that that is real because it has been studied. Put the same kind of image in front of someone, but just change the skin color and people have completely different responses to how threatening the person is, how nice the person is, how smart the person is. Um, In the chapter of my book on pride, I talk about um, this, the infamous um, doll experiment, which was created right in the forties by um, an African-American couple who were the first to get their PhDs, I believe in psychology from Columbia university. And they put a white, a plain white doll and a plain black doll in front of black children and asked who is clean, who is smart, who is nice. And it was the white doll. And then who is dirty, who is ugly black doll. The sad thing about that experiment, it has been done every year all over the world since then. And the results are still the same. And so if children with children from diverse backgrounds, And so those children are growing up to be the adults who are hiring, who are choosing people for opportunities. And those children are young. They're maybe three to five in that study. Yes. They're young. So that's how quickly, you know, that those uh, biases are seeping in. Yeah. And so then the question becomes, how do you self-regulate? How do you take care of yourself? Um, how do you invest in your health and well-being in a way that doesn't feel like you're constantly reacting to those realities and threats? Because that contributes to the burnout too. I was Agreed. on my Peloton. I'm a Peloton fanatic. Awesome. And, and um, the instructor, and I think one, one of the reasons why it's so powerful is the instructors always say these really simple and brilliant things right when you're, <laughs> you think you're about to conk out. And, and this may sound controversial, especially for people of color and women, but I believe in this so much. The instructor said, you're going to de- decide right now if the world is against you or for you. Whoa. Right? And so I firmly believe that while there may be lots of concrete evidence, like the killings of unarmed black people, that the quote unquote world is against me. All I have to believe is that I have, that there are enough kind and caring people in the world, including my friends and family members and my network, that there are enough people for me, for me to thrive and that I don't have to spend my time and energy reacting to the forces that may seem like they're against me. And some people can't quite get there with me, but I believe that with all my heart. And because otherwise we stay in fight or flight mode all the time. Mm. I love that actually. And what I love about it is not enabling those who are against us to hijack the agenda of our lives. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to be a Peloton coach one day. I'm going to work on it. <laughs> Sharice, what actually led you to become a coach? Because I'm hearing a couple theses come out of like, this book is really a culmination of hard-won wisdom, uh, real people, and uh, what really does work. So are you using some of these philosophies in your coaching practice? Yes. And, and let me share kind of the the Genesis story. So 
When I moved to Atlanta in 2007, I was the executive director for, for the first time um, for this fantastic organization called Posse. And I was an ED for the first time. I was fundraising for the first time. I was working on that issue for the first time. I was new to Atlanta. And um, I got into the role and like many people, I was like, oh crap, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I need to... I need to get better at finance. I need to get an MBA. I was really focused on what I thought I didn't have. And I started feeling Mm. like I cannot succeed at that. Wait, hold on. Hold on. This is a really great story. But um, would you say that this is imposter syndrome? You have a JD from Northwestern University School of Law and a bachelor's from Cornell. Yes. And I intentionally, Carmen, when I applied for the job, I knew that I didn't have a lot of experiences that they were looking for. And I said to myself, I I had learned actually back in law school, I read this book by Lonnie Guineer called Becoming Gentleman. And it talked about how law school boosted the self-esteem and confidence of men, but did the opposite for women. And she talked about how that played out in the classroom. And as it as it related to raising my hand for opportunities that I may not have been 100% ready for, I learned that that's what men do. And then they figure it out. Right. So I did that successfully. And there were literally a ton of things that I hadn't done before. So yes, I mean, and so yes, we could call it imposter syndrome, but I purposefully put myself in that situation. Interesting. But then what happened was, I did the Gallup Strengths Assessment, and I read the book on strengths-based leadership, and I learned that there are you know, phenomenal leaders who don't have to have all the strengths that their organizations need. They partner with people with complementary strengths to get stuff done. Cool. Very so that cool. Was, yeah, that was a game changer for me. But even then... I judged my strengths. So my strengths are input, learner, ideation, intellection, and communication, which all fall under the same category of leadership. And what my report said was that I would be on cloud nine if I could (laughs) learn, speak, write, teach, and coach for a living. Cool. This was in 2007. And what I said to myself was like, well, what do I know? (laughs) I'm a lawyer. I don't want to teach law school. Fast forward. I am doing all of those things now. Oh, my goodness. That's so neat. Clifton Strengths Finder. If you haven't done that one, such a wonderful tool to help you understand how to do what you do best with more grace and ease. Don't resist for 10 years like Sharice did, (laughs) y'all. And the thing is, I didn't resist. I had coaches along the way. So I had a coach who did the strengths um, coaching for my team. And I was like, hmm, this is this is interesting work. I didn't, you know, coaching is a very new field. It's only 35 years old. So um, that happened. And then when I became the president of Young Audiences at the Woodruff Arts Center in 2011, I had another coach um, with whom I worked for two years. And I was like, man, what a cool gig. I might want to do this someday. (laughs) And that is, so when I had the burnout, so connecting back to the burnout story, Mm. when I took that month off, 
I started really reflecting on what do I want to be doing with my life? How do I bring my talents, my skills, my experience? So the amazing thing about coaching is that your subject matter expertise is largely your life experience, period. And then I did the training and certification so I could understand good questioning and ethics. But it, it, it took all of that for me to know that my story is, is what's going to attract clients to me and I can help them in part with my story. Oh, my goodness. Cherise Williams, you are so fantastic. It's time for our action steps for today. Cherise, what advice do you have to keep us feeling well? So in my practice, I focus on habits, mindsets, and community as levers for helping us to move forward. So the habit that I recommend is some kind of mindfulness practice, being present in the moment on purpose. You do not have to be seated with your legs crossed on a cushion. It could be journaling. It could be walking and paying close attention, anything like that. Um, The mindset is a growth mindset, focusing on what is possible as much as possible, as opposed to what is wrong, (laughs) because that's what's going to move you towards a vision for your life. And then the final community is like really thinking about who can help you, who can support you, who can hold you accountable on your journey to thriving. Wonderful. Sharice, I pre-ordered my copy of The Joy of Thriving While Black, but now that it's out, how can we get copies of your book and how can readers contact you? Yes. So The Joy of Thriving While Black is available on Amazon and you can contact me via email. My email address is hello at M for Michelle williams.com and that's hello at sharice m williams.com and my website is sharice m williams i am everywhere at sharice m williams sharice i really appreciate your time and thank you so much for the little gem of the joy of thriving while black thank you so much carmen Thank you for listening to Hello Health Today. After each episode, I've asked you to support the show by rating and reviewing us. If you just can't take the time to leave a lengthy review, consider just leaving a brief description about what you like. For example, you could write, this podcast hosts cool guests. I like this podcast because it's about real people being healthy. When you rate and review us, it helps other people find us and we need reviews to make season four possible. Until next time, remember, today is good. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Because I am a medical doctor, it's important for me to tell you that nothing I say here in this podcast can substitute for your doctor's advice. My lawyers make me say the same thing this way. The contents of this podcast are neither intended nor implied to be relied on for medical diagnosis, care, or treatment concerning any individual.
Under no circumstances does this podcast create a physician-patient relationship, nor does it constitute engagement in the practice of medicine or the provision of any healthcare service to an individual patient. This podcast should not be used as a substitute for professional diagnosis and treatment. Consult a healthcare provider before making any healthcare decisions or to obtain guidance about any medical conditions. The producers of this podcast expressly disclaimed responsibility and shall have no liability for any damages, loss, injury, or liability whatsoever suffered as a result of reliance on the information contained in this podcast.